joining us for another one-up episode of the Diary of an Arcade Employee podcast. The subject matter for today happens to be one of my favorite Atari 2600 titles, one that was released by Activision, who I mentioned in the Top 5 of Magic Games episode. On today's show, we will be taking a look at 1983's Pressure Cooker. Pressure Cooker was released in 1983 and given the designation of AZ-032. I will say that I did not first encounter this exceptional game that year. 1983, of course, being quite well known as the video game crash. Or, as I've read online, in Japan it was known as the Atari Shock. I might have to tackle that subject in a future 1UP show. I got my hands on Pressure Cooker thanks to my grandmother, who I talked about a bit in that first 1UP episode. This was probably around 1986, because we had already added the Nintendo Entertainment System to our collection, and the local KB Toy Store not only carried a pretty good selection of computer games, but Atari cartridges as well. And they were also good about putting those Atari carts on clearance. I'm talking about dumping a hundred or so of them into a wire-framed container, selling them anywhere from $10 to $5. That is where I bought my Chuck Norris Super Kicks and Artillery Duel Double Ender Cartridge from Xonix. And I don't mean to get off subject here, but if you wanted to play Artillery Duel, you would turn the, the open-ended side of the cart for that game and plug it into the 2600. Then, when you were done, power it off and reverse the cart and you could play Super Kicks. Anyway, I got home from junior high one afternoon to find pressure cooker sitting on the dining room table. My grandmother was kind enough to wait until I got out of school before we tried it out. Activision, as I've mentioned before, was one of the game companies that we felt we could trust. Especially when the game in question happened to be designed and programmed by Gary Kitchen. Kitchen was responsible for not just the port for Donkey Kong on the Atari 2600, which, much like with the Pac-Man port, I am one of the game's defenders. We most certainly noticed the differences from the original arcade titles, but we still enjoyed the heck out of them. Even if, in the Atari 2600 version of Donkey Kong, it looked like you were hopping over Ritz crackers instead of barrels. Gary Kitchen also, while at Activision, delivered yet another of my all-time favorite Activision titles. That was 1983's Keystone Capers a game I will most assuredly talk about in a future 1UP show. As was common back in the day, it paid to read the manual, or at the very least the first couple of pages, to learn the gist of how the game was to be played. In Pressure Cooker, you took on the role of Short Order Sam, and it's lunchtime at the famous fast food restaurant The Grill, the spot where you go to get the perfect burger made the way you like it. That all sounds fine, but the truth is, the crowds at The Grill can be pretty picky, and it'll cost the player dearly if they can't keep up with the orders. 
and I can assure you, friends, that pressure cooker is aptly named, as the difficulty ramps up after the first couple of levels, and the concentration you need to keep the burgers being delivered is intense. That is absolutely why, when my grandmother brought Pressure Cooker home, that it immediately became one of our favorite games. While I don't think I'm as good at it as, say, Keystone Capers, there were some levels where even my grandfather was trying to help. Both him and my grandmother were shouting out the ingredients I needed to build the right burger. You see, in Pressure Cooker, as the manual explains, you are working in the Automated Food Silver Services Silver Kitchen. This is made up of two screens, the assembly room and the wrapping room. In the assembly room, the top portion of the screen features an open flame oven that will drop down a hot hamburger patty on a bottom bun, where a conveyor belt will steadily, at least in the first few levels, deliver it down towards the bottom of the screen. It's up to the players to help Sam fulfill the proper order, which is represented on the bottom of the screen on the electronic order board. You'll find a check mark next to the ingredients, which lets you know what the customer has asked for on their hamburger. A maximum of three orders will be presented on that electronic order board, and they are color-coded, so that when the player has finished crafting the customer's burger, they know which hamburger wrapping chute to deposit it into in the wrapping room. The ingredients for the burgers are shot out towards the conveyor belt by the food dispensers on the right-hand side of the screen. These are color-coded too, so the big juicy tomatoes are in the red box, the lettuce is in the green, cheese in the yellow, and onions in the dark yellow box. There is a fifth box on the bottom right side of the screen, and that holds the top hamburger bun. It will only shoot out when you successfully complete it in order. The players need to line Sam up so that his rotund belly is pretty much straight on with the flying ingredient. This will allow him to pick up the ingredient he needs. Then, the player can move to the left side of the screen and drop it on a burger patty on the conveyor belt. This is done just by simply touching it with Sam. Now, if you are a little off when trying to grab the condiment, it will result in the ingredient exploding as well as you losing performance points. As this is a game, you can be sure that the food dispensers will not be working properly. So the player must help Short Order Sam reject the ingredients he doesn't need by positioning him in front of the flying condiment like he was going to grab it. But instead, by pressing down on the fire button of the joystick, it will be sent bouncing off Sam's stomach and back into the food dispenser box. Now, when the player has completed a burger order properly, slapping that top bun on top of it, Sam will pick it up. The order that has been completed will flash on the electronic order board. So if it's flashing blue, you know to drop it into the blue wrapping chute. Sam picks up the burger once it's completed, and then, by pulling down on the joystick, you'll enter the wrapping room, where you will find three colored chutes. Yet again, that electronic order board will tell you which one to drop it into. With that order completed, you rush back into the assembly room and do your best to complete the next order. Once all of the wrapping chutes are filled, which can hold four for each of the three colored chutes, green, red, and blue, the level ends and your points are calculated for each completed order, as well as bonus points for how many of your performance points remain, before gameplay continues on the next level, at a higher difficulty, of course. I think it's time to talk about those performance points. 
a player will begin Pressure Cooker with 50 performance points. As the manual itself states, you will get 10 performance points for every time you increase your score by 10,000 points, with 99 being the maximum performance points you can obtain. You lose one point for every condiment that hits the conveyor belt or splats against short order Sam or if you find yourself holding the wrong ingredient and slap it on a burger, thereby possibly wasting it. You will also be docked one point for adding a same ingredient to a burger more than once. A player will lose five points if in the wrapping room you accidentally miss the wrapping chute and it splats on the floor, as well as losing five points if you try dropping it in the wrong chute. In addition, you will lose 10 performance points for every burger that you can't complete in time, and it falls off the conveyor belt. When your performance rating hits zero, it's game over, and I guess Short Order Sam gets sacked. Now, you will earn 5 points to your score, not your performance rating, when you successfully catch a condiment. 10 points for placing an ingredient on a burger for the first time, I might add. You'll get nothing if you drop a second condiment of the same type on that particular burger. And last but not least, you earn 100 points for delivering the finished burger into the correct chute in the wrapping room. That is really the gist of Pressure Cooker. Much like many of the classic games in the early days of the home consoles, they might be simple to understand, but it takes a lot to master them. They might not have had the graphics that match some of the games in the arcades, but they absolutely delivered in terms of gameplay and challenge. Having said that, I'll add that Pressure Cooker was a really nice looking game. Colorful, and Short Order Sam stood out as a character. Another element I want to point out on Pressure Cooker, actually most all of the game manuals put out by Activision, they went the distance, not just in describing the rules of the game, but going so far as to provide descriptions and nice artwork. In Pressure Cooker's case, it gives you a rundown on how the automated wrapping and sacking machines work. They went out of their way to provide a little more to wrap your imagination around while playing the game. Pressure Cooker not only provided a tip from Gary Kitchen on how to get a better score, I'll get to that in a second, but it actually listed four facts about the history of hamburgers and one joke fact. For example, when was the first cheeseburger served in America? According to the manual, it was back in 1929 in Los Angeles, California. Now, I've read that the tips provided in the manuals didn't actually come from the game designers themselves, which I suppose is understandable as they were too busy working on their next game. However, in the Pressure Cooker manual, Gary Kitchen supposedly said, The automated food services silver kitchen waits for no cook. Of course, neither do customers. Here are some tips I use to keep the customers happy and take some pressure off myself. First of all, keep moving. The open flame oven never stops cooking, so you never have time to just stand around. Run to the conveyor belt and place the condiment on the hamburger. After dropping a hamburger into a wrapping chute, hurry back to the assembly room. Don't waste time watching the order fall into the sack. Also, it is important to remember that the food dispenser only throws out one condiment at a time. So, if there is one in particular that you need, then move closer to the dispenser and reject the ones that you don't need. It'll really speed things up and you'll get the condiment that you do need sooner. Lastly, there will be times when you catch a condiment that you don't want. When that happens, place it on the hamburger at the top of the conveyor belt and hope the next order will need it. But more importantly, try not to catch any useless condiments. When it's closing time at the grill and all the customers have gone home, drop me a line. I'd love to know how your shift went. 
Gary Kitchen. Since this was an Activision title, you better believe that you wanted to have a game where you had earned at least 45,000 points. That's because, if you did so and took a photograph of the score and sent it into Activision, you would have received the Short Order Squad emblem, an iron-on patch featuring Short Order Sam beaming with pride at your accomplishment with arms crossed and holding a greasy spatula. Here's the truth of the matter for myself, sadly. I never obtained any of the emblems, or Activision patches as they are more widely called, some of that had to do with the fact that I just wasn't good enough, I guess. But it also had a lot to do with, especially in the case of Robot Tank, we couldn't get the darn camera to take a proper picture. You couldn't make out the score. Now, I'm obviously over the moon with Pressure Cooker, but what did reviewers think of it back when it was released in 1983? Michael Blanchett gave it 2 out of 4 in the April 1984 issue of Computer Fun, stating, Quote, to its credit, pressure cooker is a good test of one's memory. Success depends on your ability to look, retain, and execute in an efficient manner. On the minus side, though, the game is much too repetitive to qualify as fun. Furthermore, I have to give this game poor marks for originality. In both a visual and conceptual sense, pressure cooker emulates a number of past VCS cartridges, such as Commavid's forgettable Cakewalk. One could liken Pressure Cooker in a loose sense to Burger Time, but it lacks charm and lunacy, two qualities responsible for that game's popularity." End quote. Where in the January 1984 issue of Video and Computer Gaming Illustrated, reviewer Jim Clark said, quote, Consumers who approach this game with the preconceived notion that it is nothing more than a Burger Time twin will find it surprisingly different. Pressure Cooker is one of the few narrative games for the 2600. We're not talking Hemingway here, but there is a sense of time passing and a job to be done, which increases identification with Sam and, hence, enjoyment of the cartridge. Game-wise, Pressure Cooker may not look very flamboyant, but it's a frantic pleasure because of the several distinct phases, catching the right condiments and letting the wrong ones go, your efficiency rating drops for grabbing an ingredient you don't need, getting the condiment to the hamburger, running after the bun top, taking the burger to the chute, positioning yourself not only over the right chute, but making sure the hamburger doesn't hit the sides of the chute, lest your hamburger be destroyed and your rating plummet. Each challenge is not so difficult in and of itself. However, taken as a whole, the game will drive you nuts. End quote. You ever read my name in all the papers and how I solved the Keystone Caper? Keystone Kelly is my name. Catching crooks is my game. Introducing a hilarious new video game. Keystone Capers for the Atari 2600. Harry Hooligan was loose in the department store and mean pursuit from floor to floor. I ran and leaped and jumped and jumped in a bit of Irish gun. I nabbed the broke and saved the day when Kelly's on the beat. I never fail. Keystone Capers, designed by Gary Kitchen for Activision. By the way, Pressure Cooker has been made available on the likes of the Activision Anthology for the PlayStation 2 back in 2002, as well as that version for the Nintendo Game Boy Advance in 2003. Sony's PSP received the Activision Anthology in 2006, and it was even included on the Atari Flashback 8 Gold Edition and Activision Edition in 2017. So if you want to play it for yourself, and you really should, you can find it out there. Friends, before I wrap up this 1UP episode on Pressure Cooker, I want to point out that while I first played it three years after it had been originally released, my grandmother and myself played it constantly. At the time, we were also playing Super Mario Bros. and Ice Climber on the NES. The gameplay for Pressure Cooker was just that good, and it kept us going back to the Atari 2600. 
It is also a game that I not only play at the Arcadia Retrocade where I work, generally after we close down the arcade, but it is also a title, much like a Magic's Dragonfire, that I try to introduce new players to. I know I'm not gifted like Gary Kitchen. I haven't been able to create something that is incredible like Pressure Cooker or Keystone Capers. But at the very least, I can help pass along these games to new generations. Passing the torch, I suppose. I'd love to hear about your own memories of Pressure Cooker or other Activision games. Feel free to leave them in the comments on the Retroist for this podcast post. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to the show. The Diary of an Arcade Employee is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and even Spotify. So, if you have a moment, why not subscribe and help us get the word out on the show by leaving a review and some comments. Helping the podcast reach new listeners is always appreciated. You can find out more about the Arcadia Retrocade by visiting Facebook. Or for daily posts, you can check out the Diary of an Arcade Employee podcast Facebook page. I share all manner of vintage arcade and home console fun multiple times a day. If you have any feedback or comments about the podcast, you can always reach me on Facebook or throw me an email at vicsage at retroist.com. You can also find me posting videos of the arcade on my Instagram account, which is simply vicsage underscore. I, of course, want to thank the Retroist not just for hosting the show, but for providing a spot on the internet where we can all visit throughout the week to find some of the best retro-related articles and podcasts. Now, here's a hint at what I'll be discussing on the next 1UP show. This has been a Retroist production. Thank you for listening, and have a better one. Goodbye. End of line.